It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Welcome in to another episode of On The Clock. I'm your host, Brett Whitefield, and today we are joined by Joe Marino the co-host of Locked On NFL Scouting. He's been on the pod several times at this point. Very excited to have you back, Joe. How are you? Brett, I'm doing good. Always a pleasure talking football with you. Appreciate you having me back on. Heck yeah, man. Um, you can find Joe's work at Locked On NFL Scouting. He also does Locked On Bills, which is pertinent. I know we have some Bills listeners. You probably already listen, to be honest. But if you don't, please go check out both of those podcasts. They are absolutely fantastic. All right, Joe, I want to have you on the pod again. Daniel Jeremiah dropped Mock Draft 3.0. I am not a big Mock Draft observer, but when it comes to DJ, I always tune in. <laughs> so I figured, you know, it's not Monday, so it's not technically Mock Draft Monday, but it is Wednesday. It can be Mock Draft Wednesday, right? There's no no problem with that. So yeah, for sure. I think I think there's some things we should discuss in here. I and, agree, man. There's a There's a lot of... Shakeups, obviously, with the first couple waves of free agency under our belt, it shakes up the team needs and creates a better landscape to look at the draft through. And I think we're starting to see that a little more clearly. Yeah. Would you agree that DJ is probably one of the more plugged in guys, too? Yes. Yeah, yeah he's up there for sure. Yeah. So with that, you have to be conscious of two things. One, if he knows things, he's not going to tip a team's hand because he's he's an honorable man. So there could be some smoke and mirrors sometimes, but also he might be telling us things later in the the round. And I think we'll get to some of that stuff as well. But let's start right away. Let's jump right in with pick number one, the Carolina Panthers. This is obviously interesting because they they did move up to number one from nine. And they he has hit them selecting Alabama QB Bryce Young. This is not the QB that's been rumored to be in their discussion the last couple of weeks. Everyone thinks it's Stroud. Some people think it's Richardson. Young was a curveball for me. Where are you at on that? I was surprised to see it as well. Um, I could be convinced that Frank Reich loves Bryce Young. I think from a personality perspective, they really align in so many different ways. But it's obviously a Carolina Panthers decision and not a Frank Reich decision only. And certainly based on the reports yesterday of who they sent to the Ohio state pro day that <laughs> everyone's going to be involved in this decision. And I'm sure they're going to do due diligence on all these quarterbacks. They should, they've obviously given up a ton to be in position to make this decision, but there's a part of me that feels like I'd be very surprised if young was the direction just because he's such an outlier in terms of size. And I don't think they'd want to sign up for that exception. There's something about me that, feels like they're going to love everything about Bryce Young, kind of like we all do, except for that he's just zero percentile for height and just probably in the 190s. Yeah, Joe, we've talked about this off air, but when it comes to quarterback, I don't know that Bryce Young is a guy you're trading a ton of draft capital to come up for just because he is the outlier. Nothing mm -hmm. against his game, by the way. His game is fantastic, but when you're trading from nine to one, you're either going to play that a little safer or you're going to swing for absolute upside. 
So that's why I do think it's going to be Stroud or Richardson. But Young seems like the kind of guy where if you catch him at third, fourth, fifth, sixth overall, you're happy. Like, oh, wow, we got fundamentally the best quarterback in the draft. Yeah. And we got him because he's an outlier, but we'll we'll take the risk there. We we wait, we waited on a, you know, at our spot and and got what we would consider a value. But I don't think you're I don't think there's value in trading up to to throw a dart at an outlier. Yeah, I think it's a great way to look at it. And and I think the Carolina Panthers shouldn't do that. I think you live with if Bryce Young winds up being an absolute superstar quarterback, you can live with that. You could say your process was good. You know what? We liked him, but scouting as much as anything is about risk assessment, right? And you take all the information and you piece it together to give yourself the clearest picture of what the likeliest or the most likely outcomes are. And the list of guys that are 5'10", 190 pounds, that are top shelf NFL quarterbacks, that list is real, real small. And so you want to give yourself the greatest the greatest opportunity to hit this, right? The Panthers can't whiff on this pick, man. Right. They can't do it. They gave up too much to whiff on this pick. And so they have to align themselves with the most likely path forward to having a legitimate franchise quarterback. Agreed. And they've been, they're a franchise that's kind of been stuck in, I guess what you'd call QB purgatory since Cam initially left. When was that five years ago, six years ago? It's been a while, Brett. And one of my, I don't want to say favorite, but one of the most interesting statistics out there about the Carolina Panthers to me is that since their inception, what in the mid nineties, they've never had consecutive winning records. So like we talk about quarterback purgatory or whatever, like this team has never had sustained success. They've had good seasons here and there, but never consecutive winning seasons in the history of their franchise. That's actually wild. I didn't, I didn't know that. That's, that's a crazy stat. So, well, for what it's worth, Joe, Daniel did end up going on a show last night. I believe it was on NFL Network. It may have been ESPN, though. Correct me if I'm wrong. And he, I think he was talking with former Carolina Panther linebacker Thomas Davis. And Davis thinks they're going to go Richardson. And Daniel Jeremiah, he he didn't necessarily agree that it was Richardson, but he did agree that it was probably not Bryce Young. I found that very fascinating. Like the man just mocked him one overall to uh, to the Panthers, and then a few hours later, I don't want to say he backtracked, but he was like, "Yeah, I, I definitely think it's probably likely it's not him." <laughs> so. If I had to guess predictively, I, I think it's probably C.J. Stroud. But where I might be different than everybody is, I think the guy that it would be if it's not C.J. Stroud is Will Levis. Whoa! Yeah. That okay. What's your thought process there? I just I buy in. I buy not necessarily that I fully buy into Will Levis. I'll say that. Let, let me say I have plenty of concerns about him, and there'd be a point in time where I'd be comfortable drafting him. I don't I wouldn't be the team that trades up to number one for any of these quarterbacks. Fair. I think they're good prospects, but trading up things to get to one, no. I just there was the reports earlier that Dave Tepper was enamored with Will Levis. He's built like an action figure. He's got really good running ability. He's got all the arm talent in the world, all the size, nice mental makeup, right? An accomplished human being. He's been through some adversity. I think there's enough there and enough people that I've talked to that leads me to believe that there's enough there that they're interested. Um, 
So I think it would be Stroud or Levis. Like you say, it's going to be Stroud or Richardson. I would say it's Stroud or Levis. Wow. All right. I dig that. I like that you're the only guy saying that too. That's. I just don't think anybody wants to admit it. Will Levis is this year's Daniel Jones. He's this year Justin Herbert. He's this year Josh Allen, right? Where just people don't want to like him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I've learned enough about quarterback evaluation through enough misses to realize that I'm not going to dismiss the possibility that this guy's going to end up being a really good quarterback. Yeah, you definitely can't do that for sure. So I'm not going to sit here and die on this hill of uneven tape, inconsistent ball placement, decision-making like that was true for Josh Allen. And while Justin Herbert was a much, much more steady player, like you mock Justin Herbert to teams and those fans wanted to light your house on fire. You know what I mean? It, it, You're not wrong. <laughs> so I, I'm just not. I am. I am less dismissive than ever of of quarterbacks, and I think it really comes back to the situations that they step into more than who they are as players. I mean, that certainly matters. That who you are as a player gets you in the conversation like this. But I think teams and this is something that I learned from Jordan Palmer who has been very kind to talk quarterbacks with me quite a bit he said teams bust players more than players bust teams and I think when you when you really go through it and consider the quarterbacks that didn't work out there's multiple offensive coordinators multiple head coaches can't get the line right can't get the weapons right and it's not because that guy's not a talented football player that can make throws it's well he didn't have the greatest opportunity to showcase his skill set and then Four years later, they're just a soured player that underachieved, and they're an afterthought. So, I I love that quote. I I hammered that point home on on my other podcast, Take Talk, and we talk at nauseum about team building and the proper way to support a quarterback, and constantly highlighting teams that are doing it right, whether it's Buffalo with Josh Allen or Philly with Hurts, and then teams that are doing it wrong, like Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. So, sure. um, d- definitely love that take. All right, let's move on. The next, to me anyways, the most interesting pick is pick six. DJ still has the Detroit Lions selecting Devin Witherspoon, cornerback from Illinois. I love Witherspoon. I've been, I've mocked him to the Lions myself multiple times. I think he's a great scheme fit, but the Lions did just go out and sign three corners. Right. Yeah, we got to move off this, right? <laughs> right. We, we, we got to come off corner to the Lions. I mean, Emmanuel Mosley, uh, is Byron Murphy. The guy that they had out of Arkansas wasn't bad last year. What I'm sure you can tell Eric me his Jacobs. name. He wasn't that bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? They brought back Will Harris, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Jeffrey Okuda has a pulse. Now, I, yeah, I, I don't see this being the direction for the Lions based on the moves that they've made. In fact, I think Detroit needs to help themselves in other areas Yeah. to, to really maximize this number six pick. Yeah, absolutely. And, and unfortunately, in this mock, they missed Jalen Carter by one pick. I think that would be probably the nuts for the Lions. That's like the one hole they have currently. I mean, they, they have other holes, don't get me wrong, but the one glaring thing, like they've done a good job of setting themselves up to not have to be rigid in the draft. D tackle is probably the one spot they really need some interior pass rush. So, yeah, well, Levi on Wuzuriki not being a thing really took yeah. away i mean brad holmes has been awesome don't get me wrong but that one right now looks like if that pick hit we oh. wouldn't be talking about three tech or what you know interior yep. rush cooking with gasoline yeah man all right joe i know you've gone through this too what 
Is there a, a pick coming up here that surprises you? Surprise? Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I if I can go all the way to 14, uh, yeah. Bijan Robinson to the New England Patriots absolutely surprises me. Not that we haven't seen Bill Belichick pick running backs in the first round. That's absolutely happened as early as or as most recent as Sonny Michelle, right? And was mm-hmm. Lawrence Maroney was a first round pick. I mean, he he's willing to do it. But this Patriots team with what they already have in Ramondre Stevenson, with Pierre Strong coming back, a, a guy that I think can really help that backfield. I mean, they've got players, uh, the South Carolina, Kevin Harris. Yep. I don't know. They To me, they got all the stuff they need at running back. And there's much bigger needs for this team, whether that's an offensive tackle, a corner, wide receiver. I just, I love B. John Robinson. I think he's one of the best five players in this draft. And I can be convinced that there are very good landing spots for him in the first round. It's just not New England. Yeah, they they also signed James Robinson. Yeah, that's another one, right? That's yeah. He's not four guys that can mover. play. Right. Multiple guys that can play. And traditionally, even in years they took like a Maroney or Michelle, those were back into the first round guys. And they still went with a committee anyways. So yeah, I don't, I don't know why if you're going to take the committee approach, I don't know why you would, would spend a 14th overall pick, especially when like Ramondi Stevenson's a, a dang good player. Like, Very good. He really is. He's, he's, for, he's for performed the, game, the market share. I thought right? he would. What's that? Well, I mean, for him to gain the opportunity that he's received in New England and Bill Belichick coming out and straight up saying he's one of our most dependable players, which yes. is probably the greatest compliment Bill Belichick will give a player. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I think I think there's, there's plenty, plenty of uh, time left for Stevenson to be their guy, and, and I feel like they only like two- to three-year stints for their running backs anyways to really be their focal point. So this one I don't see. Agreed. All right. Next one for me that's like very surprising. Pick 19, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going Will Levis. For one, obviously, this is way later than anyone is anticipating Levis going. Uh, for two, they've pretty much pumped up Kyle Trask. They're, they're like the Kyle Trask hype department over there in Tampa Bay. And they've, they've been hyping him up since the season ended. <laughs> they signed Baker Mayfield to compete with Trask. I don't I don't know. You tell me. Good fit. And also, what do you think about how late he goes? I like him at 19, especially. Yeah, value, right? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, like I said earlier, I, I think there's a path for Will Levis to be a really good NFL starter. I obviously think there's a path for him to struggle. I like some of what Tampa Bay has in place. Um, I think their offensive line obviously took a big hit with losing Mason and Donovan Smith. They need to find some answers there. Uh, but their weapons are pretty solid. Um, defensively, you feel like they should be decent. And so it's a it's an opportunity here for Tampa Bay if they get in striking distance for Will Levis to take their path here at quarterback. And I just I think about these NFC NFC teams, I think about these NFC South teams, and they probably all look at it as a wide open opportunity to really enter the top tier of teams in the NFC. And if you're Tampa Bay and you feel like you've got a strong enough nucleus in place and you can take a reasonable swing here at, at a quarterback and that can help you reestablish yourself as a top NFC team. I really, I really can understand the pick. I just, I've not really 
prepared myself to live in a world where Will Love is, is an option for Tampa Bay or any team at this point. At this point, in, in terms of the draft, the, the, the late teens, early 20s. Yeah, I agree with that. I, the fit is surprising to me. I, I actually think I kind of like it. Um, I, their offensive line, while they did take a hit, they're losing Donovan Smith. They do get Ryan Jensen back. Robert Hainsey, you know, having another year under his belt. Whether he starts or not, I don't know, but he's definitely a, probably a better swing interior player than they had last year when Jensen went down. Um, I would imagine they end up adding more pieces to the O-line. They, and they retained most of their defense and actually added to it. Greg Gaines comes over as a guy who can play next to Vita Vea. He's probably an upgrade there next to Vea. I, it's kind of a decent fit. I mean, they, they have good weapons, obviously, with um, with Godwin, Evans, and, and uh, the Russell Gage. Is Julio coming back or was he a one-year deal? I don't know. Does it matter? Doesn't matter. <laughs> Does. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter. But point being is like, I, if you're a quarterback, you'd almost rather get drafted to a team that's not completely bare than 100%. Yeah. some of these teams at the top of the draft. You're like, well, imagine going to Houston or or right. the Colts. You yeah. know, uh, it's it's going to be tough. One thing that I'll say about Carolina is defensively they're strong. Mm-hmm. I love their coaching staff. They have an offensive line which is phenomenal. We we haven't been able to say that about Carolina in a long time. Now they got to put the weapons together, but you feel like it is kind of coming together a little bit with Adam Thielen, Miles Sanders, Hayden Hurst. You know, they still think they need another receiver. They could still add there, but I think Carolina, from a coaching and infrastructure perspective, has positioned themselves pretty well to take this quarterback and and I think give them a reasonable chance for success where you get a little bit more concerned about the Houstons and the Indianapolises of the world. I, I agree. Carolina is actually not the worst spot. Obviously, they probably need a receiver or two. I know they signed Thielen, but he's kind of a, a corpse. Yeah, they, they need more guys there. Yeah. T- Terrace Marshall's probably an ascending player. He looked really good down the stretch last year. LaVisca's not really much. I know they're tied to DJ Chark right now. I'd love for that to happen for whoever quarter, whatever quarterback they yeah. draft. I think that'd be good. And then I would still probably draft the guy as well. Yeah, they need it. One of the underrated things about them trading up to Joe is they still have a full draft class somehow because they had extra picks. From the McCaffrey trade. Yeah, so I think they still have a full seven, eight picks in this draft, and they didn't really lose much value. They still have a second-round pick. They still have a third-round pick. So, Yeah, and that, that second-round pick, 39, you you look at that as a potential trade-back opportunity. Yes, re- yeah. recoup some of that value yes. there for sure. Yeah. All right, after so after Levis, things get really interesting at pick 23, and this is a pick I personally love because I'm a big-time Hendon Hooker fan and DJ has Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker going to the Minnesota Vikings at 23. Don't know that I love the fit because I think they're pretty tied to Kirk at the moment, but you know, contract running. It just seems like they like Kirk. So I don't, I don't know what their plans are there, but man, I, I do like Hooker sneaking into the first round here. 23 might be a little high considering the the risks you're, you're getting with Hooker. But what do you think about that, Joe? I think I like the fit more than you to do. Um, Cousins is an expiring contract, um, entering his age 35 season. Is he that old? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, not that his skill set was ever going to age poorly, right? He's <laughs> always kind of a classic drop back passer and, and that's fine. And I, I appreciated a lot of what Kirk Cousins showed last year, but I think this is a really good succession plan where, you know, with hooker, whether it's the ACL injury or coming out of the Josh Heupel 
super spread <laughs> offense that doesn't look anything like an NFL offense. It's a nice opportunity for him to go and not really have any pressure to to be the guy next year, but the year after that, he'd be well positioned to be the starter and, and be able to hit the ground running. And, and there's a lot to like about Hendon Hooker. And, and I think that gives him another year to maybe fill out their, their receiver core a little bit. You know, I like some of what they have on the O-line, obviously running back tight ends. Those are those strong spots for Minnesota, but get another receiver here and get him a, a season to incubate. And I think you've got a really nice transition from cousins to hooker. So I, I think for Minnesota, I do kind of dig it. Yeah, I, th- I didn't realize Kirk was expiring. I, it feels like they like him though. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if we heard about an extension. But to be fair though, Kirk has been doing these two two year extension type contracts. So maybe even if they do extend him, you'll still get three years of Hooker on a rookie deal or more. And uh, I, I love Hooker the player. I do think he might need maybe not a full year to sit. But he'll need there. There will be a transition period because of the offense he's coming from. Basically, doesn't know how to to read to make reads and progressions right now. At least not that we've visually seen on film because they don't ask him to do it at Tennessee. Correct, and that's what I think I like about Kevin O'Connell's scheme is I feel like there's going to be a lot of baked in throws. Yeah. So he won't necessarily have to be a progression style passer right away. True. Very good point. Very good point. Yeah. I do like him landing on a team that has a, whether it's O'Connell or another forward thinking offensive coordinator, he needs yeah. to land in a favorable situation there. <laughs> yeah, no question. Yeah, he can't. There's going to be spots that just wouldn't make sense for him, but yeah. Minnesota to me is a good landing spot. Agree. All right. The next big shocker to me, Joe, pick 20. I think this was for you as well. Pick 25, New York Giants selecting interior offensive lineman from Wisconsin, Joe Tipman. And I don't think he's a bad player. I just don't have a a near first round grade on him at the moment. So, well, I, I think that's the nature of the back 25% of the first round in, in most drafts, especially this one where you're, you're out of first round grades, right? You're not getting first round talent at this point. And so for the giants, um, I think they have a huge need on the middle of this offensive line. I, I mean, it is glaringly concerning for me. I mean, the only starter that I think I really like that they have is Andrew Thomas. Evan Neal struggled big time as a rookie, and obviously his career is far from defined. He should take a, a big jump from year one to year two, but he struggled, and that middle three might be the worst in the league. So Joe Tippmann, <laughs> Joe Tippmann to me is exactly what they need, yeah. um, and I'm I'm fairly comfortable with it given the circumstances. I agree. This draft is very interesting and I've talked about it a little bit on the pod, but I think I'm going to have, I'm going to end up with near 20 to 22 first round picks, which is probably more than most people actually, but I, I do some positional value bumps for guys. So I end up with more corners and more receivers than, than everyone else has in the first round. Anyways, long story short, once you get past that 22 though, Joe, that next tier of players for me, it feels dang near 50 players deep. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that's why that back 25% in mock drafts this year, is just to me, that's where my eyes go. I have an idea of there's some combination of 20 guys that are going to go in the first 20 spots. Yeah. And then it gets interesting, right? Who, who are they sneaking in? What of those 50 players that I don't disagree with you exist, which 10 or 12 did they slide into the back? That's where I, I really enjoy looking at mock drafts. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, my last mock draft, I put Rishi rice in the first round to the saints. 
And obviously, I don't have a first round grade on Rishi Rice, but the DMs I got over this Joe were absurd. Oh man, nothing, people. nothing unlocks uh, <laughs> people's feedback. Yeah, <laughs> like giving them a player in a mock draft that they don't prefer. Yes, so. and and all of them they said the same thing. He's not a first round player. He's not a first round player. I'm like, but you're not getting a first round player at yeah. whatever they're picking thirty or something. Yeah, yeah. 29. So, so it, it just tell me who you want then. Like, I, I don't know. They're probably not a first round player. That was my point. So anyways, the next pick, very next pick, 26 Dallas Cowboys, Mott Smith from Michigan defensive tackle. Love it. It's about time we started talking yeah. about Mozzie Smith as a first rounder, man. This guy's an absolute freak as an athlete in terms of size yeah. and athleticism. Um, I mean, maybe he wasn't like this dynamic pass rusher for Michigan, but athletically he's got that. We've seen guys develop more rush in the NFL than they showed in college. And this guy has every physical ability to do it. But I mean, Dallas needs this type of player. They they don't have a lot of just mass on their D line. They run a lot of kind of lean fronts in terms of just the players they'll put on the field. They need a true anchor in the middle. Um, and I think Mozzie Smith is a player that is perfect for Dallas in the first round. And then is a player that's long overdue for us to start seeing more and more among those top 31 selections. Yeah, I love this as well, especially because through the whole process, Brian Brisset has kind of been the default number two IDL being mocked. And when you really start to break down why, it's be, everyone talks about the the high-level plays, like those top upper echelon plays. If you take Brisset's top 15 plays, he looks like an amazing player. Sure. Same freaking thing for Mozzie Smith, Joe. Yeah. Except he's way more consistent in the run game. And he does give you those high-level pass rush reps from nose tackle, which is not easy to do. I absolutely love this. I love this selection. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Meanwhile, in this mock, Kalijah Kansi, I think, is a second defensive tackle taken after Jalen Carter. Yeah, which is the new – that is the new common thread. He had them. He had Kansi going to Detroit. Yeah. Which we talked at six about them needing that interior pass rush. So Kansi's a good fit there. I do – Kansi to Detroit makes a little sense because they do have um, why am I Aline McNeil, Aline McNeil yeah. and then Isaiah Bugs, who are your kind of prototypical big hog mollies in, in the run defense portion of your interior line. I think Kansi fits in nicely because he won't have to play every down. He can play a little bit looser with his gaps because he's not going to be playing first down as much. So, uh Quinton Johnson 27 of the Buffalo Bills I know you're a Buffalo Bills guy I also know you got to get going here so we'll, we'll wrap this up quickly but I thought this was fascinating I personally love the fit and this do is you? for him I do love the fit Joe really yeah you don't think there's a lot of redundancy with that skill set like Ooh. Gabe Davis no because no. Gabe Gabe Davis is a is a ball winner only type player right now so you you he think you, you think there's more to Quentin Johnson? I think that's probably when when I look at Quentin Johnson, Joe, the playmaking ability is unbelievable. You guys need that juice in your offense. You need someone who can catch a five yard drag and take it sixty yards. See so you see so you're you're you think you're higher on Quentin Johnson's ability to do that at the next level than I am. I'd rather okay. the Bills go with a Marvin Mims or a Josh Downs type receiver than a Quentin Johnson. That's great too. I yes. I, I I don't disagree, but Maybe I would wait. That's what I would do. The value is insane because I Quinton Johnson's going to be 
Like I, I think he shouldn't fall past twelve in my opinion. Oh, see, we just we just don't see him the same way. You're higher yeah. on him than me. So when I look at his physical ability in his trade, and the route running isn't all there yet, but it is the traits are there for him to be an exceptional route runner. Ankle flexibility, hip sync. Yeah, he's good. He's uh, for a tall receiver, he runs routes like Martavis Bryant. Yeah. Absolutely. I can appreciate that. Yeah, so I, I think he he gives you a lot of inside out value as well because I think he can play like a bigger slot role and 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 thrive in those short area throws where he's trying to create after the catch. Um, I just think his ceiling's enormously high, and it's a decent situation to put him in where he can just start his career with a smaller role of we're, we're going to give you some design touches, we'll run you on the slot wheel here and there, uh, but ultimately we just want play more playmaking ability in this offense. Oh, also, he'll be great on scramble drills with with Josh. By the way, so I think I think the the most interesting thing about Quentin Johnson to the Bills would be this: Gabe Davis is an expiring contract, and if he has another solid season, eight hundred yards, seven touchdowns, something like that, will the Bills be able to afford to keep him? Right, you're already paying Diggs, you're already paying Knox. Can you really have another high ticket playmaker for your offense? And so as a succession plan, I I can see that. Fair enough. Fair enough. I like that. So you get the cherry on top this year, and he's your succession plan because if you can't pay Gabe. Yeah. I like that. And if they don't take Johnson at 27, they should definitely be looking at, you know, Mims or one of those speedier slot receivers who can also play outside a little bit. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Um. Any anyone else you want to touch on before we wrap this up? I mean, Darnell Wright, Cincinnati is a he's a first round kind of ish guy. I, you know, I can see that working. Mar, they love same. that if they can get him to play right tackle after the kind of the fallout here with Lyle Collins and the torn ACL and the cap savings that they could have for moving on from him and Jonah Williams doesn't want to go to play right tackle and they could free up a bunch of space by moving on there if they. Were able to to get Darnell Wright to be the right tackle. I think that would that would be a nice situation for them to get younger and cheaper at yeah. offensive tackle. And if um, if Jonah ends up staying, Wright can probably kick inside as well. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Probably be their left guard. But I like what Cordell Volson gave them. So they have Kappa and Volson. I don't. I don't think Volson prevents you from anything. But I think he's. I like his trajectory as a player. Yeah, that's true. The only other interesting thing to me is the Saints grabbing Michael Mayer. Mayer? Yeah. I always say Maher and everyone corrects me. It's Mayer. Michael Mayer. I I think I actually did this in my last mock, but I, I love the idea of complimenting Jawan Johnson with a more inline type tight end. 12 personnel is exploding across the league right now too. A lot of teams are using it. They've realized, hey, three linebackers on the field is better than two because linebackers suck in the nfl so <laughs> let's take advantage of that with favorable matchups so we're going to put 12, 12 personnel on the field a lot more often and mayor just gives them a ton of flexibility especially with you know alave and michael thomas and uh rashid shaheed and he <laughs> looks like he might be a nice player for them yeah uh, i i like michael mayor to any team so i'm never going to be uh too critical of it i, I worry about their defensive line and if that mm-hmm. maybe should have been the direction of this pick, especially with the depth of tight ends uh, in this year's class, and I think you can kind of wait on one, but Mayer's a good football player that's going to make any team better. Fully agree there. 
All right, Joe, let's let's cut it there. I think well, actually, real quick, was there any player excluded from the first round that you are surprised by? Is Brian I don't see Brian Branch in here. Um, I don't think Brian Brzee got picked in here. Um I think the edge rushers were a little bit different in terms of not really seeing like Will Will McDonald's kind of your the one guy that slips in late. Well, I guess Felix and Duki Izoma. That's somewhat of a surprise, but yeah, no Derek Hall, which I guess is becoming more popular. Um, is it? I think Cam Smith. I'm rarely seeing him in first round mocks anymore out of South Carolina. So those are some those are some of the things that stand out to me. Did we see Jordan Addison go in this one? I think he did. No, we did not. Yeah, that's another one. No, he went twenty to twenty to Seattle, which I kind of <laughs> like. They they would help their eleven personnel quite a bit. Yeah, and Addison has so many overlaps to Tyler Lockett that that's a natural transition there, right? As yeah. Lockett's getting older, yeah. Addison can fill that role pretty well. Um, I feel like we cover it. Only three offensive tackles, though, I think. No, Do we four. not get Skaronsky? Yeah, Skaronsky's in there. So Skaronsky. Paris Jones, right? Paris. Johnson. Yeah, Paris Johnson. And then. We didn't uh, get Dewan Jones. That's the one we didn't yeah, get. Yeah, yeah. Dewan Jones. So Broderick Jones at 17, man. That's such a good pick for Pittsburgh. I love Broderick Jones, man. Love him. I'm a Broderick Jones guy too, Joe. I like him. He's yeah. I, I really do like him. Um all right. Oh, Dalton Kincaid at 16. That's probably the earliest I've seen him mocked. Yep. He's good, man. But he is he is good. <laughs> and they I mean they I guess they have a good wide receiver group too so it's not like they're hurting there it seems like with will levis on the board though they should probably go that direction in this in this particular mock right but so that's what's so interesting about this scenario is i i haven't thought about will levis being a possibility for washington at 16 but in this mock he is so maybe i need to start thinking about that for sure dj did note that you know if will levis starts to hang out past the top six seven or whatever he thinks teams will start trying to move up wow he just didn't know how to quite pull that off in the terms of a mock so i think that would make plenty of sense if you see a team come up to you know eight or 10 11 12 something like that so, so we know the to, back. you got to pay attention to the teams that are not picking high that are sending contingencies of people to these pro days and hosting these guys these quarterbacks for workouts because you know if they do slide it could be an, uh, some some significant movement up the board for teams that are just like, hey, this is a really good shot to get a quarterback, and we got to do it. And there's plenty of need out there for that to happen. Like, what happens if Baltimore? What happens if Baltimore just doesn't get it figured out with Lamar? You know, we saw That's Tampa Bay, Minnesota, we talked about already. Um, yeah, there could be some teams that need a quarterback and go get one, man. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, Joe, that's going to do it. Thank you for joining everyone. You can find him on Twitter at the Joe Marino locked on bills podcast, locked on NFL scouting podcast with Kyle Krabs. Correct. That's right. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the fantasy points podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.